0: On our drive back, Jerry's telling us about waking up at night and the Holy Spirit coming on him and travailing. And and I'm really, he's saying, I'm really, you know, I'm not sure what God's doing, but I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm travailing, remember. And um, so we bring him to the house group meeting, leadership meeting on Monday night, and they just happened to be doing an exercise where we were going to laugh at the lies of the enemy. And so... There were uh, different ones in the group would say well here 's a lie I have believed, and then we 'd all laugh at it and, and you know there 's a, a biblical basis for that in Psalm two it talks about the nations um, uh, in an uproar against god, and god 's in the heavens, and he laughs and so laughing at lies is one of the ways to reject them and just to defeat them and so we 're going through this whole thing and 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 Jerry has just told us that story about laughing in the face of death and how God delivered him uh, through that. So I shared that with everyone. And then then we prayed for Jerry. And that travailing, uh, he almost happened right here again when, when we were praying for him. But the Holy Spirit, you know, touches people. And when he touches us, it's not just always this, you know, kind of ethereal, quiet thing where... Yeah, I think I, I think I had a touch from God. Uh, I mean, there are times He touches us, and w- when He does, it's just a it's a moment of power, a release of power into our lives, and uh, just uh, this uh, this felt, real experience with God, which is something that um, I, I believe God wants all of us to have. That, that it's a, it's there, the presence of God and that 's one of the things about uh, us as a church uh, we want we want to experience the presence of god uh, we we want to be presence driven you could say that th- that 's where we 're headed that 's what we want and so we invite god 's presence and I just want you to be aware of that that when god 's presence comes it 's not just a good feeling it 's not just like um, well, how many of you have been like at a um, a Memorial Day parade, or at a football game where they play the National Anthem ahead. And, and, okay, you ever feel like emotional about that? Or I remember my dad always cried when they did that. A lot of times people think, well, that's what experiencing God is like. It's just feeling emotional. That's not it at all. It's, there's, there's something totally outside the realm of emotions. Now, our emotions might respond, but there's this experience with God that, goes out, that, that comes out. Uh, apart from just an emotional experience and I just want to say uh, Holy Spirit come right now and, and I, I, I invite your presence here we welcome you we thank you for your presence that, yeah Lord we just we thank you for your presence thank you that there's freedom and I want to encourage you if if what I'm talking about is something that you haven't experienced just Just say right now to God, God, I I open my heart to experience you in the fullest way. Jesus, I I want to experience, Holy Spirit, I I want to experience your presence. We just thank you that you desire, you desire to pour your presence out. We want to experience your presence. Jesus' name. We're going to take just a few minutes. Um, um, how many of you were here last week? Okay, so you know Wilson pointed out that the week before that I had preached for a long time. <laughs> so I'm going to hopefully make up for that today. We, we, don't, we, don't, have, we don't have that that much time, but we're in this uh, series where we're exploring uh, the question as to what what is it that keeps a person going in the Christian life through difficulties, through pain, through heartache. And uh, why is it that one person will accept Christ and, and they go on and they prosper and another person accepts Christ and when they uh, bump into something difficult or some internal struggle, they, they just seem to fade and, the, and their faith just seems to diminish. And, and why is that? What, what's, what's going on with that? Now, I, I've, as I've said in the past, and, and others up here have said, I'm not sure that there's a, a clear-cut five-step answer to this. I, I don't think there is. I'm not going to give you one message that that is uh, the full answer to this. But I do want to point you this direction today, that the answer comes from God. Uh, it, it's God. It's God who is the one who keeps us. And we need to recognize that. Jude 24 says, uh, is a benediction, but it, it makes this great statement. Um, in Jude 20, chapter one, verse 24, he says to him, meaning God, who is able to do what? To keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and without, and with great joy. So it's God is the one that keeps us from stumbling. Jesus said that when we come to him, that, that means we're taken up into the Father's hand. And Jesus said that He, we are in his hand. And he says, no one can take them out of my hand. And then he says, if, if you come to me, you're in the Father's hand. And no one is able to take you out of the Father's hand. Now, when we begin to recognize that, and we begin to understand that It it really is God's grace. It really is God's goodness. And that God's grace is here. God's grace is here for all of us. I I was talking to a friend the other day, and uh, he made reference to that statement that maybe some of you have heard. Maybe you've used it. Uh, There, but for the grace of God go I. Have you ever heard that? You know, you look at somebody who didn't do so well, and you say, well, if it wasn't for God's grace, that would be me. Okay, now that true statement, and to, to make that statement with a focus on God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy, and it wasn't me, then I understand that statement. But there's another sense in which that's almost saying that other person didn't have the grace of God. You see that? And what, what I want us to understand is God's grace is here, because God's good. His grace is here for all of us and when 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 we recognize that and we come into relationship with Jesus we just enter into this life of grace and of empowering and of God's presence and God's goodness and you know when we walk in that then there's not a question of Stumbling or of fading out. I mean, we're going to stumble. There's no doubt about that. But but there's always you know, God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace, and we just rest in that. And the the, the message I have today that, that relates to that or that flows out of that is this: that the key characteristic I believe we need to we need to walk in is humility. To understand that it's humility and. God is opposed to whom? To the what? God's opposed to the proud, isn't he? But who's he give grace to? The humble. So that doesn't mean that God's in heaven and he's withholding his grace. And he says, oh, you're proud. You don't get any grace. You're humble. I'm going to give you grace. No, his grace is here. It's here. But the proud don't, don't access it. They don't, they don't rest in it. They don't walk in it. But humility enables us to embrace the grace of God and just to walk in the grace of God. And it's, it's so important to recognize that the Christian life, Christianity, is unique in the respect that you don't get in by having done something. You don't get in because you're smart. You don't get in because you're wise. You know, it's not like we, we are the wise ones who figured this all out and because we're so wise, we knew enough to accept Jesus, whereas other people aren't that wise. Now, you enter the Christian life in humility. The, the, the only thing that qualifies us to become believers is to recognize we're not qualified. It, it's out of failure that we come into Christ. Now, for some people, that's easy to recognize. For others, it might not be as easy. For myself, when I came to Jesus, it was just a no-brainer. I mean, I had flunked out of college. I, I was uh, living a life that was uh, just focused on drugs and partying. And when I heard the gospel, the night that I heard the gospel, I shared this in my message a couple weeks ago. I, I just had this incredible sense of need. I, I felt need. I felt the need to get rid of the guilt I was carrying and the need to have Jesus in my life because I wasn't able to do life on my own. I was failing at life. And so we we enter this Christian life with a recognition of humility. And then we go on in the Christian life in humility. That's why Paul in Galatians 3 said to the Galatian church, uh, Galatians 3, 3, he said, Having begun in the Spirit, Are you now going to be perfected by the flesh? And having begun in the Spirit, it was the Holy Spirit who moved them. It was the Holy Spirit that they yielded to. It was the Holy Spirit that brought the work of Christ to their lives and freed them. And now that they're in the Christian life, the Galatian believers had somehow got caught up in the idea that it depended on their own works and effort and strength. In order to keep going on, and so he says, you know, he says this doesn't make any sense. You started with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to say you started with humility, and now you think you're going to go on in pride. So we start in humility, and we go on in humility. Amen. And when we can get that right, then there's 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 this just this flow of life, flow of the Holy Spirit's life that we come into, that we're able to walk in. And I don't mean by this false humility, not talking about putting ourselves down or saying, well, I'm just this lousy sinner. No, if you've come to Christ, don't say that. If you've accepted Jesus, he's changed you. And the New Testament doesn't call believers sinners. Now, that doesn't mean we don't sin, we do, but we're not sinners by nature, We have the nature of Christ. We've been changed. We've become righteous. And so humility is not saying bad things about myself. And it never honors God for me to deny something that he's done in my life. So it's false humility for me to say, oh, I'm just this lousy sinner saved by grace and, and, you know, on and on. That's not real humility. Real humility would be to say, you know... uh, When I, my heart to Jesus, he changed me. He changed me. And he made me new. He made me a son of God. And now I get all the privileges of being a child of God. That's amazing. Can you believe that? Me, I get that. But it it doesn't do any, it, it doesn't do God honor for us to deny that. Real humility is recognizing who we are and how that connects in relationship with God and then with other people. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Moses who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. And um, oddly enough, there's a place in those first five books of the Old Testament where Moses says, now Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. Okay, let's let's plug the word humble in there, okay? So Moses is writing this about himself. And he says, Moses is the most humble man in all the earth. Okay, but it's, it's so, it's not like you have to badmouth yourself to be humble. He, he was the most humble man on all the earth because he recognized who he was in Christ, how that related him to God, and how that related him to other people. And so, when I recognize I'm a child of the living God, that I have the power of God in me, I'm a new person, I'm a new creation, and God has a destiny for my life, and He wants me to walk in that destiny. Then I recognize how I'm related to Him. I'm His child, and wow, I'm going to worship Him, and I'm going to live for Him, and I'm going to obey Him, and I'm going to honor Him. And how does that make? How does that put me in relationship with others around me? Well, if if uh, you're a believer, then you're my brother or sister, and if you're not, then you're somebody I want to serve and share the love of Jesus with, so you can come to know Jesus too. And so it shows us how we relate to others. And if there's anything that will cut the heart out of humility in our lives, it is when we begin to drift into a prideful state of mind, either in in, um, what we expect of ourselves behavior-wise, or in what we expect of ourselves as far as intellect goes, or how we actually view other people around us. And and what I'm thinking of when I say this is this, that it's possible to come to Christ out of just complete humility and then be walking in humility and, and, and just walking in the grace and the power of the Holy spirit and the life of the spirit. But then to start to compare ourselves to others and start to look at others and start to ask ourselves, where do I, you know, not, not how do I relate to this person as a servant, because Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so I, I relate to others as a servant, not to relate as a servant, but to relate to them in the sense of, am I further along than them? You know, are they more mature than me? Should I be teaching them? Should they be teaching me? Yeah, and, and, and begin to compare ourselves to other people. What about their beliefs? Are they right or wrong? And because I know I'm right and I want to be Right. And I want to tell you, one of the things that leads us into pride is our, this deep desire to not make any mistakes, but to be right. And I think that's, that's a cultural thing for us in this, in, in this nation, and has been in evangelical Christianity for the last hundred or, or two years. But the idea that I have to be right about everything, and then that of course we want to be right. We want to have right theology, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong on this. I, I want to read the Bible. I want to understand it. I want to study. I want to think. I want, allow the Holy Spirit to illumine my mind and to show me more and more and more about who God is. But when I begin to look at other people and I begin to have a cynical attitude towards them or a critical spirit towards them because they're wrong and I'm right, then that cuts the heart out of humility, do you follow what I'm saying, yes. and I—I I mean, I've seen this over and over again in—in in, uh, over the years. I—I I had a, a cousin who actually was a big part of my coming to Christ, and as I shared two weeks ago, I came to know Jesus. Then I fell away from that for a couple of months. And fell back in my old lifestyle, and then I came out of that back you know back to really pursuing a relationship with with the Lord and this cousin was a big part of me coming back because he had come to know Jesus about a year before I did, and he came uh, back to my hometown for a funeral, our grandfather's funeral, and uh, he was twenty one. So we bought a, he bought a 12-pack. I was, I was under 21. You had to be 21 to drink. And we went out in the woods and sat and drank this 12-pack. And, um, and um, funny thing, I, I threw a can out the window into the bushes, and he made me go out and get it because we wanted to take care of the environment. So he was kind of ahead of the times there, ahead of me anyway. But I remember in that conversation, he held a beer up to me, and he said, Van, the Lord doesn't mind if you have a few beers, but you can't take acid anymore, and you can't smoke marijuana, and you can't do these drugs anymore. you got to quit that. And oddly enough, in that whole context, that's, that ministered so much to me. It really helped me. Really helped me. Then he came back a few months later, and I remember uh, we, we talked to my, my, my sister, and I remember praying for my sister together, uh, Bob and I. And he came back a year after that, year or so, and um, he had, in, in the meantime, he had associated with a branch of the church that really focuses on being right, and on all of your theology has to be exactly right, and if you disagree with us, then not only are you wrong, but man, you, you, you deserve some, some form of rebuke for being wrong. And I remember in that last visit with him, there was this harshness. There was this, this critical edge to, to what he was saying and how he thought, and I remember recognizing that, and, um, but then we parted and didn't see him again for 25 years. In the meantime he became a pastor, I became a pastor, and I 'm hearing through the family grapevine you know what's happening, and, and I hear that Bob's having a hard time, and then I hear well he's left ministry, And, and I, okay, guys leave ministry, people leave ministry. that doesn't mean they leave the Lord. And um, so I'll, I saw him at a family, vac- or a family um, reunion and I was looking forward to talking to him because I wanted to reminisce. I wanted to go back to that talk that we had out in the woods that day and uh, in, sitting in the car and this uh, out in the woods and, and drinking that beer. And I started bringing that up and, Hey, do you remember that? And do you remember this? And, and he just shut down. He wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't talk about anything. And and I could just see, just like a cloud came over him. He did not want to talk about Jesus. He did not want to talk about anything spiritual. And as soon as he could, he got up and left the table and mixed in with a, a different you know group of uh, family members. And uh, that surprised me. But um, I mean, sadly, the story, as that, that story ends with him um, with um, him dying. Yeah, it was a weird um, premature death accident that um, uh, we you know, talk about. Maybe that's theologically some other time. But um, I've, I've had to ask myself, what happened there? And th- the only thing I can see, and without any judgment against him, I, there's no judgment in my heart against him, but the, the, the edge that he had that last time we talked, the criticism, the cynicism... That, that somehow he had embraced because of the influences in his life and then he was willing to embrace them. I, I think that that, that is, is really deadly. I mean, when, when we embrace cynicism, when we embrace a, a spirit of criticism that you have to agree with me and, oh, you don't believe in the pre-trib rapture? Ha, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with you or if you don't agree with me on this... Well, I'm right, and you're wrong. When we embrace that, it, 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 we're embracing like poison somehow. And the, the converse of that is to have a servant's heart towards other people, to honor other people, even if we disagree. You know, even, well, I'm not right about everything. You know, Like every five years or so, I look back and I see how wrong I was five years ago. I mean, any of you old enough that you'd identify with that? And so I look at, you know, I look at myself today and I think, okay, I'm really certain of these things, but I know in five years I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have grown and I'm going to see some of the things that, that I, and so I don't want to, I don't want to hold things with harshness and I don't want to hold things with bitterness towards other people who might disagree. And, um, and I'm not talking about like, just accepting all moral behavior around us without loving the person enough to you know to help them to but but i 'm talking about a critical heart, a critical spirit, and when we develop that, it cuts the heart out of humility and and it it uh, it 's just devastating as to our walk with the Lord. Um, yeah, I had some privilege early on in some of the people that I knew and that um, that that Meant a lot to me in my life. I, I remember one time I, I was leading a youth group at this guy's house. His name was Mel Stewart. It was a group of teenagers. I was in college. And Mel was this older godly man who was just a wonderful man. And he would tell us all these stories of God's work. And he had actually uh, worked with Catherine Kuhlman at one point. Any of you remember Catherine <laughs> Kuhlman? Okay, she was a healing evangelist um, um, years ago. And he he, was, he told us stories about seeing... Dramatic physical healings, where like crooked limbs straightened out right before his eyes, and and he taught us the Bible, and uh, and I was at his house one night, and uh, when I went out to my car, I had a flat tire, and he and another man that was part of this group, who was a doctor, Doctor Ziegler, they said, "Give us your keys. We're changing your tire," and I said, "What? You know, I'm like." 21 years old. They're, you know, they're, they're these men that I hold in real high esteem. And they said, we're changing your tire. And I, well, why? Well, because we're going to. Well, here, let me, let me no, step back. We're changing your tire. And really it came down to a point of me, I, I had to honor them by letting them change my tire. But they, you know, I learned from that, that you're never in a position, no matter where you may find yourself, you are never in a position that you shouldn't just have a humble servant heart towards others. And that we should enter every room, not with the thought of where do I fit into the pecking order? Or is this person ahead of me? Or, or, you know, or what? But we should enter every space, every, every room realizing that the other people in that room, God can use them to speak to me. And, and he's given them things he hasn't given me. And that's, that's how the body of Christ works. And that, that type of humility is, um, it's just so beautiful. I mean, that's how the body of Christ operates. And, and then we live lives where we, we really focus on honoring others. And that's because of how we see ourselves relating to God. I want to honor God. You're his. I want to honor you too. And so... Um, yeah, I think this is a key step in this whole this whole thing as far as living in the wild and, and how do we do that. We do it with humility. We just do it with humility, loving Jesus, resting in him, trusting him, letting the Holy Spirit work in us and through us, and letting the Holy Spirit work through other people uh, in, in our lives as well. So uh, what we're going to do next is worship, and the worship team is going to come out and... Um, um, yeah, we're going to take up our offering to receive our offering. So Jim's going to come up and introduce that. But uh, worship team will be making their way out and Jim's going to come on up.